This is life to miss it. Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. What if you took the time? Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm your host, Francesca Luca, and I'm thrilled to introduce to you incredible women from all over the world who are living and leading extraordinary lives while they're writing the rules. I interview women who have a powerful story and have found her secret sauce to live a courageous life and hopefully will leave you inspired and ready to get your mojo on. So don't hesitate to send me an email about anything, whether it be a show topic, a comment, a question, a pushback, or just to say hello to let me know you're with me. My email is info at talkwithfrancesca.com. And during commercial breaks, I encourage you to hear who makes Talk with Francesca possible. Visit them and let them know that I sent you. So we are going to dive right in. We have a lot to cover today, a whole lot. So get out a pen and paper because you're going to need some to take some notes. You know this woman. She's a good friend or colleague from work. She's smart. She's insightful. She gets it. Whatever the situation, whether it be in her work or her community, she has great ideas about what needs to happen. She's got a ton of integrity to boot, no greed, no temptation to sleaze, and no big hunger for power. And she also just happens to, of course, be funny, warm, and you can trust her. But here's the thing. The way you look at that woman, someone looks at you that way too. In fact, probably many people look at you that way. To us, you're that talented woman, but you just don't know it yet. So as I said a few minutes ago, grab a pen and paper and get comfy because my guest today has some priceless secrets to share. Tara Moore is with us now. She is the founder of the acclaimed global Playing Big Leadership Program for Women and also is the author of Playing Big, Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. So welcome, Tara, to talk with Francesca. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Tara, we're going to dive right in. Um, I want you to, if you could, explain to our listening audience, what do you think the difference is between playing big versus playing small? Well, I'm so glad that you started with that question because I find when women hear the phrase playing big, a lot of us have mixed reactions. On the one hand, maybe that sounds appealing to some part of us. It sounds intriguing. But we also, a lot of us have the reaction, I'm so tired already, I'm overwhelmed already, I'm, maybe I'm overworked already, and also, does everybody really need to play big? You know, isn't that part of what's wrong with our culture, is that everything has got to be big, bigger, and biggest? So let's talk about what we really mean by playing big. My definition of playing big is this. It means you're being more loyal to your dreams than to your fears more loyal to your dreams than to your fears. So all of us have a kind of tug of war going on inside of us. There's our dreams for our life, for our career, maybe for our family, for the contribution we want to make to our community. And then there's our fears, fears that we'll fail, fears that people won't like what we really have to say, fears of change. And and so in many ways, playing small just means that you're placing your weight and your allegiance with those fears and playing big is about shifting that so that your dreams and your longings are what is guiding your decisions and your actions. So you're not talking about 
playing big meaning, the bigger salary, the bigger title, the bigger empire, obviously. Exactly. It it could mean that for an individual woman. If she checks in with herself and it's like, yeah, what I really want Mm. is to be braver than I have been about going for that raise or asking for more money or um, going to a more senior title or getting the corner office. If that's her path, then yes, that's what playing big might look like for her. But I can tell you that I've also worked with a lot of women who have the bigger title or have the corner office, and they realize, you know what, for me, playing big is making that courageous shift into the social sector to do work that I think is really doing something for the good. Or for me, playing big is honestly admitting to myself that that artistic thing I loved in childhood that I haven't picked up in 30 years, I really want to go do it again in my spare time, even as much as that scares me and I think I'm going to be terrible at it. So what playing big looks like for each individual woman is really unique to her and and only she can really know. But usually when we look inside ourselves, honestly, we do know, we do know the dreams that we've been sitting on or talking ourselves out of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, I always kind of thought of myself as kind of a big player. Um, and I don't mean huge, but just, you know, I mean, I, I've done a lot. I've accomplished a lot in my, my day. And, um, about a year ago, it was funny. A friend who also happens to be a coach said, why do you play so small? <laughs> mm. And from the time she has said that, it's just like every corner I turn, I'm reading about playing big on some level. And I didn't realize it, you know, but it's it. So I agree with you. It isn't just about um, accomplishment. It can be it, it sounds to me like it's more of really finding out what that inner voice is telling you to do and and being willing to to listen and to act on it right exactly it's an inner game it's absolutely an inner game Uh, isn't it always (laughs) (laughs) Tara I know you have a huge coaching practice but what really produces the change that helps women to play big well there's a number there's a number of steps but I I always like to invite women to start with the inner critic because for most of us, that is the number one thing holding us back from playing big. And really, the impetus for me in doing this work and talking about this subject was was witnessing how beat up women are by their inner critics. And what I mean by that is that when I first started my coaching practice, this was uh, almost a decade ago now, uh, I, I, had, I was in another career at the time, so I was just... Starting to get my feet wet with coaching and I was coaching a few women here and there in the evenings and on the weekends and just getting referrals from friends and colleagues as I was in my training for coaching and just getting started. And so I was seeing a whole variety of women from different fields and, and every time I would sit down with them as their coach, I would get to see how amazing they were. I would really get to witness their strengths and their gifts. I would get to hear about the great ideas they had of, hey, here's how my company should really be doing things differently. Here's what I wish was happening in my industry, but nobody, nobody gets it. Uh, you know, here's how I wish my, uh, my government were doing a better job serving its people. And I could see their vision and their capability and the strength of their ideas. And I just, was so inspired by all of them and wanted to see them all leading at the level that it was so obvious they could. And yet with every single woman that was in those coaching sessions with me, I also heard 
but I'm not ready to do that yet, but I'm not qualified, but why would someone hire me for that? Who do I think I am? I've never been good at that. I got to lose 10 pounds first. You know, all these truly irrational inner critic narratives. And so it has become a big part of my work to help women become more aware of that inner critic voice and then learn how to not not take direction from it in our lives. Um, so that's the place that I invite women to begin. So in overcoming fears, I mean, that one is, to me, huge. I mean, sometimes we don't even know what we fear at all. And obviously, as you said, it, it is an inside job. Um, so, you know, without getting into digging into your past and where it comes from, how mm-hmm. on earth do you get someone who to go go beyond that, to be able to really address the fear and um, and, and so that they can do what they want to do, whatever that might be? Right, right. Well, you know, there's an interesting uh, myth, I think, that a lot of us live with, which is that I have to overcome my fear or I have to overcome my insecurity and become confident in order to do what I want to do. And it's one of the biggest surprises to me that, that I encountered in doing this work was looking at women who are having the careers of their dreams, who are leading in remarkable ways, who are playing truly big, whatever that means to them, and finding out that they do not feel confident as they're doing that. And they uh, don't feel like they know what they're doing or like they're qualified for the job. So and like in the fear book, the I, fear and do it any feel the fear and do it, it anyway. Feel, kind yes, of thing. it's some form of that. And yeah. and sort of hear the inner critic and do it anyway is maybe you know a more precise version of that for a lot of us. That you know, in the book I talk about examples like uh, Twyla Tharp, who's one of the most successful choreographers of our time. She has every reason to know she can do this, right? She's got tons of Tony Awards. She's had tons of Broadway shows. She's had countless accolades. And she says, every time I go into the studio to start a new dance, to start making a new dance, I am convinced that this is the one where the audience is going to walk out of the theater on opening night laughing because this is going to be so bad. And she she feels that that feeling in a believable way. And yet she also says, and I know if I listen to that voice, I would never make any more dances. And so she's got a practice of sort of saying, oh, hi, there you are again. There's that voice. And I'm not taking direction from you. And And that can sound easier said than done. And it is easier said than done, because for all of us, our inner critics sound so like they're telling the truth when they're talking to us. But there's a process we can go through that can really help us with that. And part of that is understanding that the root of the inner critic is always fear. I'm glad you brought up fear. That, you know, we there's a part of us, and I, I call this part the safety instinct in us. It's the very old part of us that just wants to stay safe at all costs. That's always looking for, you know, is there any possible risk in this? Could I possibly fail? Could I possibly be ridiculed? Like any slight chance of that, of any kind of exposure, and that part of us doesn't want to take us to take those risks. And the way that it tries to get us to not take the risks is through that inner critic voice. It's like if I can convince her that she really can't measure up here, she can't pull it off, then maybe we have a chance at staying in our status quo comfort zone. So 
the safety instinct isn't going to go away and we're not going to become confident people when whenever we're on our true playing big edge we're going to feel fear and self-doubt and so our work is actually to get used to that and get used to acting in spite of that not not try and get rid of it so essentially encouraging your clients to take risks in spite of despite the fact that they their heart is feeling like it's going to pop out of their chest yeah, and, and, you know, really understanding with a lot of compassion, oh, you know, of course there's a part of me that doesn't ever want any emotional risks to happen in my life, but there's also a part of me that knows in order to have a fulfilling life, mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that part, that risk aversion part can't be in charge. I kind of joke that, you know, if anybody ever has worked in a company or maybe you work in a company now, where there's a lot of different departments and the departments really should be coordinated with each other, but they're not. They don't talk to each other at all. It's a little bit like that inside of ourselves. We've got one part of us that's the risk avoidance department, and it's saying don't do anything, right, that might involve any uh, emotional ouchy moments, even of the slightest kind. (laughs) And then there's another department in us that's our fulfillment department and our joy department and our, you know, our our, um, self-expression department. And, and those two departments never talk to each other and they're not accountable to each other. So if you let the risk avoidance department be in charge, not fear to place be in charge, um, you can create a very safe, in a certain sense, existence for yourself, but you won't get those other things, the fulfillment and the joy and the self-expression that comes with going for the life we, we long for and that we're each individually meant to lead. If you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Tara Moore. We are talking about Playing Big, which also happens to be the name of her book, Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. Uh, Tara, you know, um, someone once said to me, not long ago, actually, it was kind of a funny thing, you know, you're kind of a latent psychic. And I know he (laughs) did, well, but it was kind of funny because I know he didn't mean that I could predict someone's future, but that I had this intuitive ability, but all too often I looked to others for their Mm. approval. So, and I think that, well, I know that that's a a habit that I have that I'm always trying to break. Um, But how do you help women get over their self-doubt so that they can trust themselves rather than you know, checking in with people, because I think checking in with people is is a great thing on many levels, but it can also be really dangerous because people come from their own frame of reference. Exactly. And, um, you know, I, I was actually talking to a, a friend not long ago about just that, and, and I started with, you know, yes, if you want my advice, I will give it to you, but I want you to re- be reminded of something, that I'm coming from my own frame of reference, where I come from, and so that... You know, it's it's tweaked kind of in that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, she was so grateful that, that I put that out there. But I think that's important because we do do that. You know, someone asks us for advice, um, you know, or, or we ask someone for advice. They're coming from their space, where they're at, where they've been. Yeah. And so to... to to so to really get your answers from out there rather than inside it, it can be really deadly yeah there is so much in what you just said and i'm so glad you are sharing those those insights that word approval is so important for us as women mm-hmm. and i i always like to ask women to think about think about the history we're coming out of so we're coming out mm-hmm. of thousands of years of how did women survive? Well, 
we didn't have political rights. We we didn't have political power to vote or exercise our rights and our, our voice that way. We didn't have uh, the right to own financial property. So if we needed to ensure our survival and our kids' survival, we couldn't earn money and know we had property and assets and know we could get out and take care of ourselves and our children if we ever needed to. We didn't have the stronger physical bodies to ensure our survival. Like, how how did we get our our needs met? We got our needs met through relationship. That's what we had, relationship and social influence, Mm -hmm. doing what worked in the group or getting our needs met through the power of relationship and influence, which depends at some level on being approved of and liked, right? Mm -hmm. So this is really fundamental in us to feel like to survive is to is all bound up with being approved of and liked. And for a lot of our history, globally for us as women, right, if you take the long view of history, to do something that really rocked the boat would have been potentially life threatening mm-hmm. and threatening for our our kin, right? So I you know, and I feel I, I get to feel it viscerally when I am working with women and we're talking about, you know, what if you, okay, let's look at what, what does it feel like to consider maybe writing that controversial article in your newspaper or writing the memoir that you just feel like, you know, the world will stop turning if you tell the truth about what happened in your life or um, maybe going out on your own and starting your own business and doing something unconventional in your industry that not everyone would, would you know, stand up and applaud you for. It's a different approach. And women will say, like, I, it, it feels so scary. Like, there's a fear around that that almost feels like that life-threatening fear. And I really believe our history is the reason why for that. So we have to start with having a lot of compassion for ourselves. Like, of course, it feels scary to do something controversial. And then we have all, you know, on top of that, I could layer all the contemporary reasons of look what happens to women and how the different ways that we get criticized or trashed or um, really, you know, abused in the media or on the Internet, right, when Mm -hmm. people don't like what we have to say. So there's a reason we're so, you know, we're so tied up in it. So we start with just recognizing that with a lot of compassion. And then we kind of almost have to like reparent ourselves to say, I know that's the history. I know it feels scary. I know some harsh words might come your way. And like, it's okay, honey, I'm going to take care of us as we go forward and do this. And we are going to be okay. It's no longer life threatening. Thank goodness for most of us. And for some of us around the world, right, or depending on our situation it still might be but for most of us it we can be safe as we go forward and and say what needs to be said and rock the boat um that needs to be rocked um uh, but we have to be really like there's a healing and an unlearning there um for, exactly, for all of exactly. Us. inner unlearning i i was thinking just that i mean really it's uh, the inequality of men and women has you know, left so many internal effects on women over the generations on how we, we think about ourselves um, and what exactly. we see as possible for ourselves. Absolutely. Um, Tara, we do need to take a short break, but when we come back, I would love to talk about the core inner mentor. So yes. you're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Tara Moore. We're talking about her book, Playing Big Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. Don't go away. We will be right back. You're so happy. 
If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I can't take him with me, I bring him to the Beach Dog Doggy Daycare at 96 Newburyport Turnpike in Newberry. Specializing in the care of small dogs, the small dog with the big dog attitude, there is no other daycare specializing in small dogs only. That's why I take my dog to the Beach Dog Doggy Daycare. And they offer free pickup and drop-off services to the local Newburyport area with homestyle playrooms with sofas, blankets, and rugs, and dogs group daily by not only their social personality, but mood of the day. Where else could I possibly take my little guy? Visit the Beach Dog Dog Daycare.com. Spring is here, and it's that time to make your yard beautiful again. Bring curb appeal back to your home after the harsh winter and call Al's Landscaping for your spring cleanup, mulch, planting flowers, and lawn mowing to give your home the facelift it needs. Call Al's Landscaping today at 978-201-2540. You will be glad you did. The Jacobs Law. Massachusetts' premier business law and litigation firm devoted to small businesses. You're busy running a business. You don't have time to deal with all the legal issues and government filings that pop up when you own and run a business. That's where the Jacobs Law can help. Our law firm is devoted to handling the legal issues commonly faced by small businesses, such as document review, custom contract drafting, licensing, purchase and sale agreements, and business disputes. At the Jacobs Law, your business is our primary concern. Tired of your high-paid, big law firm lawyer that never takes your calls or doesn't respond to emails for days? Our business lawyers pay attention to you and your business. We take your calls, return your messages, and promptly email you back. We will visit your business, get to know your company, and understand your legal needs. Business law and business litigation are all we do so we know the ins and outs of how to get things done and how to protect you and your business, enabling us to get your legal issues taken care of properly and more quickly so you can get back to what you do best. Give us a call or visit our website. We'd love to speak with you about how the Jacobs Law can manage the legal issues your business has to deal with. And you are listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm speaking with Tara Moore. We are talking about her book, Playing Big, Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. Welcome back, Tara. Oh, thank you. We Thanks actually, for having me. Well, we really haven't been talking about your book, but we have been talking about playing big. And I was actually, um, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I, I interview a lot of people and it's hard to, you know, obviously get through all all the books, but... I was really, I was looking through your book last night and it's really fascinating. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a great, it's a great piece of work and it's, uh, ladies, you. I mean, definitely pick it up. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great read and it's, there's a, there's a lot to digest. It's not, it's really not a book. It's not a beach read, I wouldn't say. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be, but I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of notes to take and there's a, there's quite a bit to digest. Mm, there's a lot to apply, you know, and I think that's the benefit of writing a book like this about uh, about women's careers and women's well-being it's out of being a coach, which is I'm coming from I have to produce results for my clients. So this is out of years of 
what really helps women create change. And that's those, you know, it's the small practical things we can moment to moment. And, and the book is really, mm-hmm. um, offers a lot of those. Um, I, I found in your book, um, it refreshing that you said confident confidence issues don't need to be complex or difficult to address. No need to dig deep into childhood ones to find the roots of our insecurities. So how does one not take direction from the voice of self-doubt then? Right, right. Well, and and let me say the reason we don't have to go deep, we can tend to think that, oh, you know, I have this insecurity or I've always grappled with self-doubt. What happened in my childhood? And I need to go dig up and maybe I'm going to blame, you know, my family or this or that, you know, evil professor I had or whatever it may be. And and certainly things happen in our lives that can provide inspiration for that inner critic and, and give us some lines that the inner critic will use. Mm-hmm. But we all have that inner critic voice because for all of us, it comes from the fear of failure, the fear of exposure, the fear of um, rejection in some way. And so it's universal. We don't have to find what happened in my story for it. So then what do we do about it? So we start first by just starting to notice your inner critic because I can promise you right now, if you're listening, there are ways that your inner critic is talking to you throughout the day that you don't even notice anymore because this is the water you've been swimming in. Whether it's every time you walk by a glass window and see your reflection, there's a bunch of negative thoughts about your body. Or maybe every time you're doing something important at work, there's that little chattering voice, this time you're going to screw it up and here's why I didn't prepare enough or whatever. Or every time you think about a certain you know, dream you've had, that comes back now and then, something you'd like to do. There's a rush of voices about why you can't. Or maybe it's an inner critic about your mothering or how you are as a daughter. So the first thing is to just start noticing. Like, Just put your attention on, when am I hearing this harsh, critical voice talking to me about myself? And when you hear it, to just say, oh, I'm hearing my inner critic now. Because when you say, I'm hearing my inner critic, you're immediately separating yourself and getting a little distance on it where you can notice. That's one voice in my head and I hear it talking. But you can start to connect more to other parts of yourself. So that's the first, noticing it and naming it when you hear it. The second thing you can do is ask yourself, you know, what what might my safety instinct, that part of me that never wants to be uncomfortable, what might it not like about this situation? And and in that way, you can see um, the motivation for the inner critic, how it's trying in a very uh, ineffective way, an unhealthy way to just keep you safe. So, for example, let's say you're thinking about applying for a job that's kind of a stretch for you. And you hear your inner critic saying they're going to just like scoff at your application. You don't meet all the qualifications anyway. You know you're not ready. Then you can ask yourself, so why why might my safety instinct not like me to apply for this job? Well, it doesn't want me to go through the experience of applying and not getting it. It doesn't want me to get negative feedback from the hiring manager. It doesn't want me to get all invested in this and then maybe not get it in the end, right? So there's always an answer. And when we find that answer, then we can kind of go, oh, I see, you know, I see what my fear is doing here, but I'm not going to take direction from that part of me. But there's a growth growth spurt that goes with, with failing as well. 
So even if we did there, see yes, it, right? absolutely, absolutely, and that goes to also how do we interpret feedback as women? Do we interpret it as you know that was a failure, and or do we interpret it as oh that's some information about what this company is looking for in this position? Why don't I go find out more about that so I can better tailor my next shot at it? Right. Mm-hmm. That and the the whole section in the book about looking at negative feedback is telling you information about the person giving the feedback. So whenever we get negative feedback or positive feedback, we can say, what does this tell me, not about myself, but what information does this give me about the person or people giving the feedback? And then we can start to get curious about that and learn how we can be more effective with them instead of taking it personally and and going on an emotional roller coaster with it. I love that um, you said, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, whatever it was, I lost it. <laughs> no problem. You just said something and I grabbed it, but I looked at another question and I was thinking, unhooking from praise and criticism, yes. right? It's yes, all- it's just kind of what we're heading into. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that is a big deal. Praise and criticism. I mean, I know also for myself that, you know, of course I feel great when someone praises me and doesn't feel so great when I'm criticized. But unhooking from that can be just so healthy because, you know, how do we really get along in this world if if our every move is based on what other people think and say? You know, right. so, so uh, kind of like giving up on the love me, praise me thing is a is a is a great idea, but it, it's easier said than done again. Yes, yes, and yes, and for all those reasons we were talking about around approval before, this is big, you know, that women get really hooked on praise and criticism. We're being driven by an attachment to praise or an avoidance of criticism, and that eventually, for all of us, it keeps us from doing our best work or living our best life. There's just no way you can do either of those things if you're being driven by other people's reactions to you. So so this this idea that I was just referring to is a really important piece of getting there, which is that feedback, and, and usually people think I'm crazy when I first say this, so prepare yourself, everybody, but try it on for a minute, that feedback can never tell you anything about yourself. It can only tell you about the person giving the feedback. So if someone says to you, you know, uh, you were a really terrible friend, does that tell us that you were a terrible friend? Not really. Does it tell us what their experience was? Yes. Does it tell us maybe what they think a good friend needs to do or what a bad friend does? Yes. And if a boss tells you, you know, you're great at this, but you're bad at that, that doesn't give us any facts about what you're good at and bad at. It tells you a lot about what that boss is looking for in you. So when we look at feedback that way, it's really, really powerful because then we don't have to decide do I think the feedback is true about me or not? We don't get defensive. We don't get wounded. Instead, we start to get really curious. Like, what what is going on for that other person? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what was their experience? What is important to them? We usually naturally ask a lot of follow-up questions. Like, well, what do you, what, oh, tell me more about your perception. What, what, you know, what happened that you would think I was a bad friend? What is, what is an ideal friend do in your, you know, what, in your mind? What was a, what, what was your experience of this that happened? We don't get all defensive. We can get curious about their experience. And then we can still, we're not dismissing the feedback. We're still 
taking it seriously, but we're taking it seriously because it's information about how to work well or live well with that person, um, not because it's information about us. So that's a really, really powerful switch. And when we do that, it really does allow us to unhook. That is a very, very powerful switch. And I guess one question that I haven't even asked you is how did you, how did you get involved in this? Did you have big challenges in your life that, that, I mean, how did you go from, from whatever it was that you were doing to doing yeah. this great big work that's helping women play big? Yeah. Well, there were sort of a few strains of how it all came together for me. One is that I was very blessed to be raised in a rather unconventional way where our home was absolutely full of psychology and spirituality books from every tradition and all different thinkers. And I was encouraged to read them from a very young age. And all of, all of those concepts were things I was raised with almost to a point, you know, that I now, I now joke with my mom, like, you know, really when I came home in kindergarten and said, so-and-so was teasing me at recess. And she said, well, what do you think is going on for them at home that would make them tease another kid? Mm-hmm. You know, that was her first response. <sighs> um, you, must, you must have carried some really great karma from your past life. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe in that kind of thing. <laughs> wow, so, that's so pretty amazing. I mean, that. That, is, kind of- that is really um very profound thing um, for anyone to say and how lucky you are that your mom, um, yes. you know, you, you're, you're very, as I said, you're, you're very blessed. I mean, because the echo from our, our mother's voice um, is not always for, um, for many, um, like, just like so. Um, yes. Right. So, but anyway, yes. you know, and before we took our last break, I wanted to talk about our core inner mentor and we haven't even gotten to it. It's time for one yes. more break. So when we come back, that's the first thing okay. we to discuss is the core inner mentor. Stay with us here. Yes. We'll be right back. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's when I can't take my fur baby with me, I bring him to Goodfellas Doggy Daycare at 20 Thresher Street right on Route 1 North in Saugus. They offer separate play areas for big and small dogs, a full-size saltwater swimming pool, and top-notch training from puppy to adult. Goodfellas Doggy Daycare, we're your family. And with them, it's personal. Visit goodfellasdoggydaycare.com today. The new Cobblestone Cafe on Hanover Street in Boston brings casual, on-the-go American fare to the North End, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Open daily at 7 a.m., Cobblestone Cafe offers burgers, barbecue, salads, fries, milkshakes, seafood, and the very popular Snickerdoodle iced coffee. Delivery and catering are also available. Cobblestone Cafe, 227 Hanover Street in Boston. For more information, call 857-263-8057 or visit them online at cobblestonecafene.com. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room and the pub can't be beat, no matter what the season. Nominated for Best of the North Shore for North Shore Magazine for Best Alfresco Dining, Best Kid-Friendly Restaurant, Best Lobster Dinner, and Best Water View. Why would you go anywhere else? Whether you choose their dining room, a frosty pint at their bar, or a sun-drenched deck on the Hunt Beach, they guarantee you great atmosphere with super food and service. Their menu is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza. 
that everyone will love. Check out their drink menu for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with their state-of-the-art tap wines. They feature full-service lottery and kino. Tides is the place to watch any big game. They have over 20 HD TVs. At Tides, they specialize in casual dining with food that's just delicious, not pretentious. Tides is a fantastic restaurant anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine. All right, we are back, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca, and I am speaking with Tara Moore. We are discussing her book, Playing Big, Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. Welcome back, Tara. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we want to make sure that we give our listeners a great education in how to work with our core inner mentor. Yes, absolutely. So, uh so this is a really powerful concept. You know, probably every woman listening here has been encouraged to find great mentors. But Francesca, as you were saying earlier in the call, the mentors we have in our life really can, they can only take us so far because they're looking at everything through the prism of their own experience and their subjectivity. And we also need to find what I call our inner mentor. And uh, I, I want to say to everyone listening that, you might be having some inner critic thoughts as you hear this, like I don't have an inner mentor like that or I can't find mine, but I have done this with so many thousands of women now. She is always there inside of us. Uh, I have a 100% confidence that every person listening can access their inner mentor and have it have a really positive role in their life. So the idea is your inner mentor is it's a vision of yourself um, about 20 years out into the future, it's kind of like your inner wise woman self. So it's not, it's, it's, we say 20 years in the future, but it's not really a literal vision of yourself 20 years in the future. And you can find her by doing a little guided meditation that takes about 10 minutes. And if you get the book, it's in the book. And there's also a link in the book so that you can do it as an audio meditation, which makes it even more powerful. And, uh, and so when you go into that relaxed state of mind, you're, you're going beyond your everyday thinking about, oh, who am I going to be in 20 years and what my worries are? And you get a much deeper sense of this kind of crone, wise woman, authentic self. And then you can start to relate to that woman like a mentor, because even in that short visualization, people get such a solid sense of her and connection to her that you can then say to, to yourself, well, you know, what would she do in this situation? Or what decision would she make here? How would she write this difficult email that I have to write today? How would she carry herself in this meeting? Um, how would she address this health issue that I'm facing? Whatever's up in your life, you kind of step into her shoes and start to grow more and more into her. And it really is um, the most gentle powerful, easy way to grow into your best self that I've ever encountered. And I've watched it just be transformative for so many women. And do you, now you have two little children and a coaching coaching practice. How do you have Mm -hmm. time to do all of this? 
<laughs> like sit with my inner mentor, you mean? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> All of it. Any of it. All I can tell you, I cannot believe how efficient I have become, especially since my, my youngest child is just four months old. So I feel a whole new level of efficiency since coming back to work um, very recently. I think that, you know, the great part of being that busy is it also helps with inner critic because you don't really have time to be inhibited. <laughs> you just like, <laughs> you don't have time to second guess anything. You just have one nap period to get something done and you know you know when that kid wakes up it's got to be done so you just do it so yes but my 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 life and my hands are very full and um and I think this is probably you know I think I'll probably look back on this time as the fullest busiest time in my life I can't imagine what would create a busier time but you are still doing uh, the coaching is that right you know, I, I actually, I, I don't work with people one-on-one anymore because I love reaching a lot of women. So I run uh, courses that are like workshop series that hundreds of women will be in at a time. And they're all taught online. Um, and you can be there by video, through your computer, or by phone. Um, and women attend from all over the world. So if you go, if people go to taramore.com, they can learn all about those courses um, or pick up the book. Um, and, and that's how, yeah, that's how I get to do my work now. It just it allows me to reach more people. You actually just uh, closed a course. Um, we, yeah, we just closed registration period for a course, but we'll have um, our next one opening up in the fall. Oh, okay. Good, good. Yeah, well, it sounded very interesting, but I was too scared to do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't let your inner critic keep you back. <laughs> it was funny because I couldn't quite figure out. I thought, hmm, this seems, seems like a really interesting thing to do. And yet I, I couldn't really define what it was that was kind of holding me back. I mean, I've had some, mm. some, some, um, uh, some stuff going on in my life recently that kind of tripped me up a bit, but, um, I, I don't know that it's enough to, to have stopped me, but for whatever reason, and I, it was, it, I found myself curious yesterday saying, Hmm, I wonder why, why you're not doing that. Um, mm. but I, I do, I, I think that we do, we do stop ourselves and, and, and sometimes we just, we don't know why. And I think that, that the problem is that we keep moving and so we don't take that quiet time. Yeah, yeah. That is really key. I mean, that's huge, that quiet time. It's huge, you know, and that's exactly, you know, one thing I often say about the inner critic and the inner mentor is the inner critic will interrupt you. It will wave you down. It'll invade your thinking. It has no problem inserting itself through your busy day. Mm -hmm. Your inner mentor voice or, you know, your inner wisdom voice isn't like that. It needs you to ask for its input it needs and that requires you to slow to slow down and remember to ask and then be in touch with yourself enough to listen so yes um that is you know that is so so important and and slowing down you know can feel overwhelming when you have a really busy life but slowing down isn't a big thing slowing down is do I choose to check check Facebook again in this one minute I have waiting, you know, at the checkout counter, or do I choose to notice my breath and notice how I'm feeling? Um, do I choose to try and get every last thing done on my to-do list, or do I look really rigorously and say, you know, what's not that important? What can I let go of so that I have 
um, you know, three minutes to just be present. You know, it's like all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a huge life change. It's really more an attitude of way of moving through even a very busy day. So if someone didn't take your course, do you think that there's a whole lot that they can actually learn and do on their own with picking up your book? Absolutely. I mean, that's why I wrote the book. It was to make what's in the course um, even more accessible to people. And, and, you know, certainly we know from the feedback from lots and lots and lots of women that they um, can get a huge amount of life change out of the book. The course is great if you want to go deeper, if you want to be in a community with other women as you're doing that work, if you know you want a little more accountability, and, and if you like that interactive format. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's lots of time for Q&A, and, mm-hmm. you know, we do sort of spotlight coaching within the course as well. Um, so it's different, different access points, but um, certainly both can be really powerful. Give us an and the example. book is also a lot of people listen, you know, I know a lot of busy women like to listen to the book, the audio version, which is mm-hmm. available right. too. Give us an example of someone that really has life has really transformed through your program. Oh gosh. Um, so many different directions. I always, I always think, where do I want to go first when I get this question? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, you know, a real, a one that I, um, just comes to mind right now is a woman who actually was a minister um, in her church and started to feel very stifled. It was a church where for a very, very long time, the whole church's history, the, the lead clergy had always been male, and she was in a junior role that she wasn't really ever going to be able to move out of, and she um, got very passionate about gender issues in her church and things she wanted to be writing and speaking about. So through the work she did in the course, she eventually left that um, position, um, ended up writing a book about the things that she wanted to be speaking out about, now um, has has a really thriving career teaching and speaking and writing about that and has moved into university life so she um, gets to do research and scholarship on those things she's interested in too so that's just one example Um, lots of examples of women starting their own businesses other examples of women actually kind of going the opposite direction of I had a really high power job in the corporate world that has never made my heart sing and now I'm starting up this small business about something I'm passionate about or I took, you know, the less prestigious title so I could have more time to do the things I really love. Um, And I I love those stories, too. What about, you know, we're talking a lot about um, women in business. What about women personally um, that maybe have issues with maybe losing weight or or maybe they're divorced and, and, you know, they were hurt in their relationship and they're afraid to get back into it? I mean, do you deal with that kind of stuff as well or... Yeah, I mean the 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 most of the examples that I talk about in the book are kind of in this realm of what's our contribution in the world. Mm-hmm. That being said, the these tools work for everything. So we've all got and our critic right around ourselves as moms or or in relationships or our bodies, and then we can also tap into the guidance of our inner mentor around those things. The tools in the book that we talk about for moving past your fears. Well, it, you know, there are women talk about how they've used them for the, the fears of 
um, getting back into the dating world again or leaving a relationship that they know they need to leave or um, maybe deciding to have a child on their own, right? Like there's all those kinds of fears that come up in the personal realm that um, those tools can be applied to. So they're, they really work, you know, whatever is up in your life. You know what is, is pretty um, consistent, though, in this, in that when we do take chances – I mean, more times than not, wouldn't you say that we end up succeeding? Uh, I, I would say 100% of the time we end up succeeding, depending on how you define success, yes. right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and I that can hear you your that. attitude mm, towards right. and how you're framing the problem will mm. determine that. So if you, and, and in, there's actually a whole part of the book where we talk about this idea of leaping, leaping being running experiments to find out what you need to know. And so, for example, if you're the chance you want to take, let's say, is to start your business, I'm not going to suggest to you that the courageous thing to do is to quit your job tomorrow and mortgage your, you know, refinance your house and take out all your savings and go start your business. No, 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 no. Like we want you to honor your need for stability and financial security too. So how can we do a small experiment like, um, something you can do on the weekends for a few months to test out. Do you really like this business as much as you think you're going to? Can you do it on the side? Can you apprentice to someone? So that's your first experiment. And, and there's no succeeding or failing because your, your question is not, you know, am I going to make it? Your question is, do I like this as much as I think I'm going to? Am I, do I have the expertise I need yet? You're gathering information to help you move forward. So by that measure, there's, there is no failure. There's just continuing to figure out what question you need to answer next and running a little experiment in your life to answer it. So what are some challenges that women have that you, that you are challenged with that you find difficult to deal with? Uh, me personally. Well, at, at, like you're teaching this course, and oh, 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 like where, con- like, where do I get? Yeah, like, where do you stumped? get? Where do you get stuck with with challenges sometimes that women have? That yeah, you know, one of the hardest things for me is um, figuring out how to support women who are working in environments that are not very supportive to women. So. You know, I can really encourage women to to get more in touch with their inner voices and be braver about sharing their real ideas and all of that. But a lot of women work in places where the minute they then do that, you know, they're told you're too abrasive, you're too direct, you know, um, you're threatening the other partners or whatever. And so... For those women, they really then have to do this interesting tightrope walking mm-hmm. if right. they're going to stay in those jobs of how do I get heard? How do I show my competence but not deal with all these um, unfair projections that are put on me once I do that? And I find that that's a really hard one for me because I it's it's like the solution is not very satisfying because the solution involves some measure of faking it and women, you know, women faking a persona and adapting to what's expected of them in those circumstances. And that's a hard compromise, you know, um, for people to have to make. When women step into their own sort of speak, 
um, you know, there could be a lot of um, lashback, you know. Um, right. You know, that they're narcissistic or conceited or, you know, I don't know, just any number right. of, you, all, right? that all that yeah. stuff. And, um, and, and I, I think that that's true. I think, I mean, I, I don't think that that's, I think that's pretty consistent. I think there's a lot of that out there and, and you have to really be able to kind of put on your blinders and just kind of plow through it and say, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to there, let. Yes. And, and what I would add to that is that the fearful part of us, the worst case scenario part is really attuned to that. Like they're going to call me this. They're going to call me that. They're going to criticize. It totally forgets about all the good stuff that comes with that too. Right. right? That there, that's while some people are saying you're, you're, you know, you're being too abrasive and direct. There's another group of people saying, Hey, like, can we hire her? You know, like she's really getting things moving over there. Or like the great friend that's on also a, 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 a empowered woman that's noticing you because all of a sudden you're sharing your voice in a more authentic way mm -hmm. and you start to bring some even more exciting relationships into your life. Right. So, and that's my experience. You know, I have to say for me with stepping up and sharing my voice more fully, the things that I thought were going to bring terrible criticism usually didn't. And then even when the, they did bring some of it, the great stuff that came right alongside of it was so much more important than that criticism that I just kind of, you know, it's, it was easy to move on. You know, we just have a couple minutes left, and I just wanted to just end with, what about friends? We, you know, we, you know, as we grow, as we play bigger, um, you know, sometimes our some of our friends can, can get left in the wake, right? Um, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, well, I would say one to recognize again, going back to the whole approval people pleasing thing, that's a fear that might, might prove true or might not. But certainly the fear of if I am more myself, it's going to hurt my connection with others. That's a very common fear for women and it's not always true. So one to kind of recognize that as like a fear that may, may, may or may not be on point. Um, Two, you know, I think when we're really playing big, not in an ego-driven way, but in that inner mentor, I'm growing more into myself, um, that, that a lot of those effects are lessened because we're, we're coming at people with, we have more generosity of spirit because we're um, being kinder to ourselves, actually. Like, we're not very nice people when we're repressing our real selves. So, mm -hmm. Um, so that, and then third, yes, sometimes it happens where there's jealousy or if, you know, if your friend is really squashing her voice, she's probably not going to be so enthralled with you sharing yours more. It's going to yeah, bring up some right. uncomfortable stuff for right, her. Right. And so, you know, just viewing that with a lot of compassion for her um is is i think really important and um and not taking it personally you know just knowing okay that's bringing some stuff up for her and i can still hold a lot of love and compassion for her and i and i got to go on my way here and do my thing that's yeah when we when we're i think i read in your book when you're we're dealing with fear if we can bring love into it it kind of moves the fear away 
Yeah, we, that we really can't be in a state of love and fear at the same time. You know, we can alternate really quickly between them yeah. about certain situations. <laughs> but when you're really connected to love, you know, and so whatever, if there's something in your life you're afraid of, I recommend to people to just, you know, like let's say you're going into, I don't know, a, a work situation that brings up some fear for you, to just ask yourself, you know, how can I really embody love in this situation? How can I be the representative of love in the room? How can I truly be of service to others? Because when you're in that energetic space, it really does pull you out of fear. Mm -hmm. Tara Moore, thanks so much for being with us this morning on Talk with Francesca. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for the conversation. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, it's time to wrap things up. We've got to say goodbye. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. I thought she was just fabulous. I hope that you pick up her book, Playing Big by Tara Moore. Um, You can pick it up at Amazon. See you next week, same time, same place. Make it a great week. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience and, as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare. And it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terramia is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Ranked number 9 of the top 10 Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617-723. 6733 or visit us at anticoforno boston.com